when the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. While many kids are making their holiday wish lists, the patients at Nationwide Children's Hospital are simply wishing they could be home. But you have the power to make their stay a little brighter. The moment you make a donation, the butterflies on the lawn at Nationwide Children's light up for our patients to see. And that gift brings joy, funds research, and the world's finest care. Please, light up the lawn. Light up a life. Give now at nationwidechildrens.org give. You are now listening to the Going Deep Podcast with your hosts, Kevin Massari and Mike Bunt, live from the Cover One Sports Network. Here we go. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. We have an action-packed show today. What should the Bills do this offseason? Should they spend the money on Tremaine Edmonds? It's a couple of key pivotal free agents, Jordan Poyer, Devin Singletary, and others. Really look forward to diving into all that with Mike, but we'll be right back at you. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep downfield, and it's Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. It is yet another February Tuesday, Mike. Second one of the air here. I'm Kevin Masseri here with Mike Bunt. Going to go through some of our favorite uh, free agents here for the Bills this year. What are the Bills going to do? We have some projections, some stats, some updates. Going to look forward to getting into some of those. Maybe some news and nuggets as along the way. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. It's 45-plus degrees in Buffalo in February, so... I uh, can't be complaining about much when uh, we get the nice weather here uh, in February. So feeling good uh, and excited to talk Bills free agency this today. I think one of the hottest topics around Bills free agency is we'll get we'll get right into it um, is Tremaine Edmonds, kind of a polarizing player throughout his five year tenure in Buffalo. That's had some very very high highs, so it's a misses at times, especially early on in his career, but very pivotal to the Bills defense. And it's really a launching off point because of what the projections might be at the position. There's ways to structure it so it's not as pivotal against the cap this year as you know the AAV might allude to. It's not baseball. It's not hockey. It's not generally spread evenly throughout the course of the deal. It's not all guaranteed either. So, Mike, first and foremost, where do you stand as a player on Tremaine Edmonds? And like, what are your thoughts around him? Yeah, so I think he's a good player. Has he been the star that maybe fans were hoping for when they drafted him 
in the first round, same class as Josh Allen. I, I don't think he's been up to that level, but I, I do think he's been a damn good player for the Buffalo Bills uh, throughout his career. He's a polarizing guy because I think sometimes people struggle with managing the expectations for an athlete like that that has come into the league at such a young age that has uh, the frame, uh, the physical attributes that he he brings to the table. But I think when it's all said and done, he does add a ton of value to uh, this Bills defense. And if he were to leave, uh, it would be tough for the Bills to to replace him or find someone to even adequately uh, fill his role that uh, he does for the Bills defense. So uh, definitely a, a solid player and one that uh, I hope the Bills are able to keep going into next year. So your thoughts, You would you keep him? Like, is there a number you stop at? What are your feelings on the necessity of Tremaine Edmonds to the Bills roster as it pertains to maybe needing to build elsewhere? Or is it something where it's, you know, needs to get done? Like, where, where's your opinion on that? Yeah, this is a tough one because normally linebacker is not a position that you want to be going all in and spending big money, especially uh, with how linebackers have kind of been the devalued piece on a defense like running back has to offenses. But when they've invested as much as they have in uh, Tremaine Edmonds, it's talking about trading up to get him in the first place, but then five years of development, he's still 25. You can sign him and keep him uh, in Buffalo for another five years, and he would only be turning 30 at that point. So it's hard to give up on uh, a talent like that at this age. It, it's really tough, Kev. If I knew, if you could tell me where the money would go if you didn't re-sign him, it would make it a much easier um, answer. But not knowing where that money would go, uh, it's tough. I, I'm in favor of bringing him back, even if they have to pay him big money. I think he's that valuable to the defense. You've seen the Bills' defense when Edmonds was out of games this year, how, how badly uh, they fell apart at times. I think the Minnesota game would be the first one that comes to mind, how in the first half against the Vikings they had shut them down. Edmonds goes out at the end of the first half, and then the second half in overtime, completely different uh, game uh, for the Bills going forward. So it, it really does depend on the money, but I think we're going to be talking close to $100 million. Uh, could be a little bit less, but uh, as Greg Thompson shared something, shared his projections earlier, I just want to pull that up right here. Um, Greg believes that, this is what we could be looking at for Tremaine Edmonds, a six-year, $105 million type deal with around $50 million guaranteed and a $30 million uh, signing bonus. And you look at that salary hit uh, year to year, that would be quite, um, quite the number to take on in later years, but you could survive the next couple years if you, if you set it up that way. But Kev, there, we know regardless of what they do, whether they re-sign him or they let him walk, there's going to be a lot of strong opinions on both sides uh, wanting him either to come back or go. Yeah, and some interesting news around that is there's there, there's a fair amount of free agents and it just matters of like what you think of each one of them. Uh, you know, Cover One also broke down another interesting player who during Bengals week, you know, that um, played him a couple of times toward the end of the year. Jermaine Pratt is an interesting name, and he's a name of someone that was really good 
might be a single digit AAV per year. He's a name to look out for with being able to do something like Jermaine Pratt and then having extra money to maybe look at receiver or offensive line. Um, you know, there's a couple of interesting offensive linemen out there that could make this team instantly better at the guard position. And Isaac Ciamalu playing in the Super Bowl for the Eagles, uh, the Eagles, Landon Dickerson. There's a couple of names out there that they could really consider at the offensive line spot. Is Tremaine Edmonds, an offensive lineman better than Jermaine Pratt. That's an interesting discussion that the Bills are going to have to talk about internally. Um, at the numbers Greg came up with, um, I think that should be fairly accurate as long as he's able to do the initial three years like we see in his projection. I think that that's a doable contract and one where it would only cost $7 million against the cap and $9 million against the cap next year. And even the 18-5 in year three, those are all doable it does balloon in the, in the remaining years. So those, that's an interesting type of projection as you think about what it would cost to retain this player. So to me, at those numbers where you're only going to take seven off the cap, I'd be, and, and I know that he wants to return. It'd be tough for me to not sign him at those numbers. I know everyone's going to say, well, we need to put that money at offensive line. That's the only thing people want to talk about right now. Uh, I do think the Bills have an offensive line plan. Uh, one that is really deep at the interior offensive line in the draft. A lot of good names. John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Um, you know, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. There's a couple of names in there that um, are very interesting to me, where Voorhees as well, where the Bills could go in the in the interior on the draft. Uh, and I think that's that it's very possible. Uh, Osiris Torrance in the first round. So there's 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 a litany of of ways that they can go at offensive line just because they signed Tremaine Edmonds doesn't mean that they're not addressing offensive line. Things aren't mutually exclusive. The bills have some cap restructures to do. They have some cuts to make settle. Are they going to keep McKenzie? Um, are they going, what are they going to do with Naeem Hines? And that's kind of to make money, Mike, for potentially Tremaine Edmonds, whether it's Jermaine Pratt, uh, a lesser free agent, whether, you know, there's a couple of other names that they could go with on, on more of a rental basis. Like, you know, the team was thinking about Leighton Vander Ash, Deion Jones, Anthony Walker, uh, Bobby O'Kikery. Um, you know, those are a couple of one-year deals, that, one, two-year type of deals that you could go after more in the four to six range. Um, so to make money for that, I wanted to talk about Naeem Hines at about his $5 million deal. And this is one the cover one chat was talking about. Um, a good amount, I'd, I'd say, for a running back too. Mike, what is your opinion on Naeem Hines? Do you think that you keep him at five million? I mean, it's a big chunk of change. Do you like him better at a restructure of two and a half, or do you think the team moves on because they're going to need to address running back at some point in free agency or the draft? So I'm fine with keeping Naheem Hines, but not at that five million number, especially if he's going to be primarily focused on special teams. I need some offensive contributions, and I know we we discuss in the Cover One chat. Even when he's not getting the ball, he does have an impact on plays with his motion and other things that he can bring to the table. So let's not just say because he didn't make a ton of impact plays on offense that he doesn't um, make a difference. But that said, if you're going to be giving him $5 million a year, you need him to, to at least be part of the pass game or getting a few touches in the backfield. You can't just have him be a, a decoy or someone to, to basically open up uh, concepts for you. So, it, it really depends on what the Bills' expectations are out of a guy like Hines. 
Naheem Hines going forward. Uh, like I said, if, if they wanted to be primarily special teams, you have to move on and uh, bring someone else to be uh, running back to go alongside uh, James Cook. I'm not really um, high on the Bills bringing back Devin Singletary uh, next mm-hmm. season. I don't think the number, regardless of what it will be, uh, is going to be something that will interest me. If you look at how Philadelphia and how Kansas City and a lot of the better teams in football get it done, they do not invest much uh, in terms of actual salary in running back running backs. That doesn't mean you can't draft one uh, in the second, third round every once in a while or take a take a flyer on a on a free agent, but I think Singletary is going to be a guy that he – I just can't see him coming back for two, three million. He's going to want to get uh, a fair deal, and I think a fair deal is going to price him out of Buffalo um, unless he's willing to take a little bit of a discount, which I, I just don't see happening. So uh, if you're going to ask me how do I see the running back uh, room looking next year, obviously James Cook I, – I think James Cook is – there's a good chance he could be the number one. And – we'll see what Hines is willing to do. And if he's willing to take a little bit less money, he could be the two. Yeah. And the tampering window is just a month away, a little bit over a month away now is man, it happens fast, Mike. Um, and a really interesting name is Deontay Foreman, a power back who's been successful at times, only projected around $3 million. He could be a name that's interesting. 50, like nearly 50% of the league's free agent at the running back position. Uh, I don't think everyone's going to get paid. You could even have an influx more of talent like Delvin Cook. Uh, there could be others, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, that reach the market that further bring down the market price. So unlike most of the other positions. That is one, something that is interesting, Kev. I mean, with how the free agent market is looking, you might be able to get uh, a solid complimentary back, maybe a back that brings a different skill set to your offense at a discount rate just because of how many guys are out there uh, that should be available in free agency. In, in my opinion, that that could be one of the ways to go if you can get someone on the cheap. Um, like I said, if Singletary was willing to come in and be one of the guys on the cheap, fine. I just I just don't think that's gonna gonna happen this offseason. But definitely some of the names that you you mentioned, if they're willing to come to Buffalo, play for a contender, and and take less money, definitely explore any avenue you can to make the team get better. Yeah, it's interesting. You have obviously, have, you know, Jacobs on the market. You have Saquon Barkley on the market. You have Miles Sanders on the market. You have both Miami running backs on the market. Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert. I mean, there is just a litany of running backs that are going to be on the market here. And I aforementioned Jamal Williams and Deontay Foreman. And there's just a ton of ways they could go at the running back room. I don't even know that they would choose Singletary out of this. Probably Zeke, probably Delvin Cook. I'm not sure that they would even... have like I don't even know if Singletary really fits what obviously we're not trying to talk down to Singletary. He's a good football player, but my, my biggest yeah. issues with him overall is he's not explosive enough and he doesn't really add enough in the pass game uh, for this offense. Sure, he can catch the ball when you check it down, but uh mm-hmm. in, in certainly the Bills didn't use James Cook in the pass game like we all anticipated going into the season, but Guys like James Cook and Naheem Hines, you at least know they have that that added um, ability where you can use them in those aspects. I I just feel like when it comes to Singletary, I credit for to him for his elusiveness and his ability to get four and a half, five yards per carry despite not being uh, the most explosive player. But I 
I, I, that's something that does limit the Bills offensively at times. And I do think they can improve. Yeah, add a couple more names to the list. Kareem Hunt, um, uh, David Montgomery. So they're uh, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard. A lot. Some people like James uh, Robinson a little bit. You know, there's still a couple Boston Scott in the, in the Super Bowl. So there's still a few names um, that are very well liked before cuts come in. So I think the Bills could potentially play that to their advantage and come away with a running back like Deontay Foreman. Jamal Williams would be a nice compliment. There's a couple of really good names where they don't handcuffed in the draft having to take a running back at a certain round, thus selecting their $3 million running back in free agency. Um, I think they're going to have a fairly good chance to, to do that. Out of all that being said, are they going to pay nine behind five million with those running backs on the market that we're just talking about? See, that, that's why three? I can't get it. That's why I can't bring him back at that number. Um, I can't bring him back at that number. I know it's nickel diming and I know it's semantics, but I don't know. Two and a half is two million dollars cheaper. That's a free. You're keeping the player and saving two million dollars. It's and just think it's about a, how much. And just think about how much this offense elevates players too. You join this Bills offense, you're going to be in the red zone all the time. That's a ton of opportunities to score uh inflate your numbers inflate your red zone opportunities i know that in years past it's been josh allen uh, making plays either with his legs and or his arms in the, the red zone but it would mm-hmm. be nice to be able to rely a little bit more on the running game uh inside the five when you get down deep in uh, the opponent's territory and i think that's something that's really been uh, lacking for whatever reason i don't know if it's dorsey i don't know if it's lack of faith in the offensive line lack of faith in the running backs but we, we know that the Bills now have one explosive running back on their team in, in Cook, a guy that can, when he finds that hole, he hits that hole, he can turn that, that three, four yards into 15, 20 yards. And that's definitely a dynamic thing to have. We know the Bills with Hines have, a, have another speedster that can catch balls out of the backfield, that can do gadget plays, which actually could limit potentially an Isaiah McKenzie role. Uh, going forward if they do decide to keep Naheem Hines the question is who do you want that that either if you get rid of Hines that second back or do you want that third back to be that brings in a different skill set maybe like you said a a physical guy that can um, bowl over a guy to to get into the end zone and finish off those one two yard runs which um, you're not going to have maybe necessarily the most impressive yards per carry but you get those tough yards when necessary. I know we we thought that, well, you didn't think, but we were hoping that Zach Moss could potentially be that guy uh, <laughs> going into last year. You didn't have any faith. I had a little bit of faith. No, but, no. Um, it, but obviously it hasn't worked. The Bills have had that guy for plenty of the years that Sean McDermott has been around, uh, going back to guys like Frank Gore, uh, Ivory, and, and so forth. The, and even the 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 – God, I mean, I'm forgetting the guy, the Carolina guy uh, that they brought up, uh, the bulldozer. Uh, but the, the Bills have ha- liked to have some of those short yards back. So it'd be interesting if they'll attack uh, that that spot in free agency going forward. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely like, I don't think they need a specific type of back. They will do different things with Josh Allen in the running game. I mean, they feel like, you know, Cook can can do a lot of different things. Um, I think they're just looking for another good running back to add yeah, to the list. I agree. Yeah, Someone works. like Delvin Cook becomes available. We'll take like a $4 million deal. Becomes pretty interesting for the team to add that kind of talent. A lot of people are like, well, good teams don't invest money in a running back. Well, true. But I also think the Bills will have an option to say, hey, you want to come be a running back in this offense? Um, you know, 
you're going to, you're going to be our guy and, you know, you're going to potentially come and uh, be a part of this, this premier offense. So I think that, and really take us over the top and then you can um, potentially, you know, get another contract from there. So that's going to be an interesting news. I just, I just don't know what, I don't believe that we're going to re-sign Singletary. I don't think they can keep Hines at that number. There is a number that might make being comfortable as a running back three. I don't know what that is, but it's not nearly $5 million. So we'll see how that turns out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but as you look at linebacker, again, to kind of wrap that topic up, kind of the money that we need to save to go to linebacker is pretty pivotal in this defense. Um, here at cover one, I believe it's still Greg mentioned Jermaine Pratt four for 46, potentially only a $4 million cap hit this year. Um, you know, nearly half the price of Tremaine Edmonds becomes pretty interesting if the Bills think that there's not much of a drop-off there between the two players. The Bengals have to sign Hurst. They have to worry about Pratt. They have to worry about Jesse Bates. They have to worry about Vondell. Um, and then they have to worry about their all-stars coming up next year, which is like their entire team, Higgins, Boyd, uh, Burrow, Mixon. So uh, they're, they got a lot to worry about. And they have about a year left to kind of figure it all out. So some of those guys, uh, they're going to, they're going to need to take a hit. And uh, I don't know how, I don't think that defense is going to look the same. Coming it's hard to go on them next year too, if they don't want a Super Bowl next year, like you said, because Burrow will eventually be transitioning out of that rookie contract. And if the Bengals don't win one next year, then you're talking about a three-year window where they got to the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. then fell short the next year. And then they'll be having the same conversations that the Bills are having right now about is our core good enough to get us over the top? And as I've said on the show the last couple of weeks, I believe the Bills core is good enough to win a Super Bowl. But each year you don't win with that core. The doubters get louder and um, the noise becomes uh, more present. So uh, it, it will be interesting how some of our uh, AFC foes end up addressing stuff like that. But uh, Kevin, it, it, if you were to make a bet, do you think the Bills bring back Tremaine? Do you think do they, do you think they get it done? As long as he's willing to tango, takes two to tango, if he's willing to get every dime and get the bag, whatever term you want to use, at $20 million plus, um, the Roquan Smith level, no, I don't. I don't think they play in that ball right, ballpark. If they get creative like the deal Greg has and he's interested to continue on his career with the Bills, yes they keep them. So um, I just don't believe they play in that ballpark of the 20 million plus, um, especially one that creates a cap number of 17 million and beyond. So um, it's going to be interesting, but I do believe they try. And it it does sound like he's willing to tango. And if so, I do believe he stays. I do believe you see Tremaine Edmonds. If not, I would quickly pivot my market though to Jermaine Pratt, because I don't believe he's too much of a downgrade. He's good in coverage. He was just a slight step back. You had Bengals fans saying he was just as good as Edmonds at times this year. They like their uh, duo in in, in Pratt uh, and Logan Wilson as much as we like Milano and Edmonds. So I wouldn't be too uh, heartbroken to save some money and go at Jermaine Pratt. I think that we've talked about it, get Josh Allen weapons. At some point, there is a hard cap on the way the deal structured with Edmonds, and you cannot just go in there saying $21 million and think your offensive line and receivers are going to get better by doing so. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And the, the the part I struggle the most with it is I'm kind of, when I'm all in on weapons and all in on improving the offense, it kind of contradicts my, my thought process 
where I don't believe you should be getting a bunch of defensive players, massive contracts. I don't think that's the way to, to win necessarily. Um, you look at Kansas City, you look at Cincinnati, neither, neither of them have great defenses, but their offenses can outscore anybody. And when it comes to mm-hmm. the playoffs, they get solid enough performances where they can win. And you look at the Bills, yes, they've certainly been a top metric defense the last two years, and basically five out of the six years that McDermott and Frazier have been in Buffalo, but that hasn't resulted in the ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. So it's tough when you're paying Tredavious White top dollar, when you're paying Von Miller top dollar. Can you really afford to to give another player like Tremaine big money when that money could go elsewhere? It's a, it's a tough question, and I, I really would like to know how much of a downgrade the defense would – how much the defense would drop off if Tremaine wasn't part of it. Uh, like I said earlier, we, we've seen some glimpses. It's just really hard because – Tremaine is one of those guys where when you just look at him physically, you're expecting monster plays, tackles for loss, sacks. And I I think that's what a lot of fans wanted out of Tremaine Edmonds. But it's really some of the stuff that he does that doesn't go noticed that makes him great. Uh, How he is in pass coverage, the throws that quarterbacks don't make, because he's in proper position, because he can read stuff quickly um, and adapt. It's how much of a drop-off would happen if he's gone. I, I, it's just, it's a really tough uh, question. And we've seen this regime be very loyal to their core players. That's why it's, it's, it's tough to see him leave, but Harrison Phillips walked last year. So, there is a price tag for each of these players that Bean is has a cutoff point for. So while I think it's likely they're going to try to, like you said, get something done, if they don't, Buckeye Imagination Museum is the destination for whole family fun. Bring all of your kids for imaginative and competitive play. From toddlers to teens, there's something for everyone. Little ones can shop, bank, and go out to eat. And your older ones will enjoy the racing laser tunnel, arcade games, six-person air hockey table, mini golf, and so much more. Grab something from the snack bar and stay all day. Plan your visit to Buckeye Imagination Museum today at BuckeyeImaginationMuseum.org. Halfway between Cleveland and Columbus in downtown Mansfield. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. I don't necessarily know if that means they go after Pratt or they go after some other solid linebacker. Maybe that money goes utilized to a different part of the the team. Maybe it goes to bringing in uh, another wide receiver that you think could contribute at a high level. Maybe you go attack offensive line and see if you can bring in a free agent that you can plug into this unit. So uh, it's, that's the thing. We, we have no clue what, what being McDermott, what they're actually talking about, how they want to attack everything, but it, it certainly will be interesting. And it, it, what's crazy is we're not even talking about Jordan Poyer because I think we all basically assume that he's gone at this point. But uh, before the year, before the season ever even started, you could have had 
the argument, Hugh would be more valuable and he would be more important player to resign. I think most people would say Jordan Poyer prior to the season, but now after everything he's gone through with, with the injuries and obviously not, not resigning and the money supposedly far apart, it just doesn't seem like that's even a conversation worth having because it, it already appears that he's going to test the market and try to see what he can get. Even though some spot track projections have his contract coming up much lower than what I believe will, will be the case. Yeah. Some other interesting names I want to bring up at linebacker, which at running back and linebacker, in my opinion, it's fairly deep. And so that might help retain Tremaine Edmonds as compared to the other position, like receiver, there's really, you know, there's not much there. Um, but you're looking at Deion Jones, a guy that's, you know, always been well sought after Levante David's on the market, Devin Bush, a guy that was picked really high in Pittsburgh has, has gotten it done to varying degrees. Um, you know, could be affordable, you know, you have a rusher and like a Melvin Ingram, um, you know, you have, uh, a, a, a lot of guys here that, you know, that have seen a lot of snaps, Alex Anzalone, Rashawn Evans, TJ Ab- Edwards, Drew Tranquil, a guy that I know cover one, like six sacks, a guy that's only projected at, you know, Six from, million from right Fort Wayne, Indiana, Kevin. There you so go. He's uh, six million right now. That I, I uh, used to be around where I worked in the past. So there you go. So there's definitely um, there's some good names there. So how far will the Bills take the linebacker room? It really depends how creative Edmonds is willing to get. Um, that's that's the most interesting part of this whole thing. Because there's some names there, as we've already mentioned, uh, that could really come in and help you day one um, that might not cost the level that um, Tremaine Edmonds will. So there's just definitely some key things to keep in mind when it comes to linebacker room. Just like with running back, it's pretty deep. Three years, $16.5 million is the cover one projection for Drew Tranquil, really only being like a $2.5 million cap hit, five, six, seven million million cap hits down the road. Interesting. Uh, what the Bills could get done. I know everyone likes to hate on the Bernard pick. We were confused ourselves here at cover one. However, the Bills might have a plan for him as well and his rookie deal. Um, they did see a lot from him. They did transition uh, to him um, when needed. Linebackers were pretty healthy for the most part. Luckily, they didn't need to tap into that depth too much uh, just in that Vikings game, really, when they went Dodson and that was not not good. Um, so, from there, Bernard probably earned the job, but they didn't need to use him. Safety, you know, they had depth there, they thought, with DeMar Hamlin and ja- uh, Jaquan Johnson. Then you had, they thought they had uh, corner coverage there with Dane Jackson and obviously Christian Benford, and they definitely did a lot there. Um, you know, obviously Kyrie Elam and Trey White, but behind the starters where they felt like they were in good shape there. Um, and then obviously Deanne, they have a couple of young, three young pass rushers there behind Von Miller. The tackle, they went out and signed three of them. So they thought they had a pretty good amount of depth. So the Bills went out and said, you know what, we're really weak behind our two starting linebackers, and we could even see Tremaine leave next year. We need to get somebody in the pipeline. They just they just picked Bernard. Ideally, just like you would anywhere, he has a path to make this happen too, at least as a key contributor, backup, spot starter on the defense. I mean, so, he almost passed you, right? I mean, third round pick, that's quite the investment. And that's not a fourth. That's not a fifth. That's not a sixth. I think they did. one thing that it's kind of maybe not gotten the attention that it deserves when addressing the Bills draft class this past year and is that the Bills are conservative when it comes to 
putting players on the field. They don't want to rush guys onto the field and put them in situations that they're not, quite frankly not confident in them at that point yet or don't believe that they have developed enough. Um, and th- that doesn't mean that they're not good players or won't be good players or even become great players down the line. But I, I think it's clear what we saw from the Bills last year with how they managed Kyer Elam um, with Terrell Bernard, Khalil Shakir, and, and so forth, is that they knew going into last season that they had a veteran team. They believed in their, their starters. They believed in their depth. Um, behind that, and they really weren't trying to rush any of these guys on the field. I, I've been seeing some recent tweets mentioning how Kansas City has had such a great rookie class and that the Bills really haven't been good at all. And while Kansas City does deserve some credit for uh, getting these youngsters on the field playing at a high level, they also had some some openings where they desperately needed their rookies on the field. And credit to them for performing and um stepping up big in the the spotlight, but there's a difference between rookies that are playing out of need where guys are hurt or they don't have the players in front of them and a situation where they're on the bench because you have quality players in front of them and you're trying to take your time in developing them. I I think when you look at a situation in Buffalo, I would would bet if you talk to Dorsey, Allen – McDermott, they believe that a Khalil Shakir can be a good player. That they be, that Leslie Frazier, McDermott believe that Kyir Elam will develop into mm-hmm. something decent. I just think that they believed in their veterans. They already had Dane Jackson, who'd been part of the system for multiple years. They had Trey White. They they had some other guys. So to really get an opportunity right away as a rookie on the Bills, you ha- you either have to be a special talent or there has to be a glaring hole in front of you and we'll see uh, Terrell Bernard quiet rookie year, but it'll be interesting to see what his role eventually becomes on this team because they didn't draft him in the third round to just be a person sitting on the bench every Sunday. They, they do have hope that he can develop into something special. And like you said, you pulled up this Raz right here outside of his height and weight, which were below average. And we mentioned that during the draft, he is a very, very good athlete overall. Yeah, you see some of the numbers here coming in from Terrell Bernard. They have to have plans for him. Um, you know, he's bigger, technically a little bit bigger than Matt Milano. Could they go with two hybrid linebackers? They don't run their traditional 4-3 with a traditional thumping Mike anyways. Everyone's like, well, he doesn't play Mike. Well, no, but, um, you know, could they get Betty? They, they're in nickel. And they're running a lot of coverage with their linebackers and he's in coverage. He's not, you know, playing the thumping role traditionally either. I'm not saying that's going to be the solution, obviously, but I am saying that with his athletic profile, he is a tick bigger. He's a, he's a, he's an inch and a pound bigger than Matt Milano. Um, so there's definitely um, room there and, and he's absolutely uh, a, a immediate fill. in if every, anything happens to Milano next year. Uh, yeah. At any stage. So in, in- Right now, linebacker is just as much about coverage as it is anything else. Um, obviously, when the Bills are playing nickel, Taron Johnson is like a third linebacker many times uh, on the field. So the Bills have shown they don't mind having a smaller smaller linebackers out there as long as they're athletic and they, they can play some coverage. Even uh, even Balen Spector, uh, who they, they drafted for uh, – 
more special teams. He was kind of similar make. We're smaller guy, great athlete. So I think we're we're seeing what the Bills are looking for most of the time out of their linebackers. They want guys that can can help in coverage. And, and really, that's the way it should be. The, the NFL is a pass-first league now where the best teams are, are organizations that light it up through the air. So it really doesn't benefit you having a guy that's going to primarily focus on stopping the run or uh, be a bruiser. You, you really need your linebackers to be more of uh, – people that can fit your your defensive scheme and coverage than anything else going forward. Yeah, and so the remember the way Raz works, um, that it compares you to other linebackers. So it's not overall within the league. When you're when you're reviewed as a linebacker, this is your athletic profile and your in your explosive profile as compared to other linebackers, not other DBs or safeties. Um, I don't believe there's any interest in converting him to safety at this point. Um, I think the, the move might be to work with, with Dana to convert um, uh, Benford potentially to safety, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that you're going to see um, them move Bernard. Oh, Bernard would get killed at safety. He's, he's, not, he's not fast enough to be, to be back there. But yeah, coverage as a linebacker, he can, he can do the job. If you're talking about putting him in the – be the back line of the defense that would not that would not work out well for the bills i think we even saw from a little bit of a speed perspective when he had the fumble recovery touchdown in the preseason he he had enough to to get there but at the end slowed down quite quite a bit and was getting caught by some of the players behind him so uh, he has some speed but uh, he, he compares great to other linebackers if he changed the position would not be as favorable uh, for him yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think there's any real interest in in moving him from there, but we'll we'll see. Once again, I'm just trying to get in the heads of what the Bills are thinking. I'm not sitting here saying he's my day one starting strong safety or his day one starting, uh, you know, linebacker. I just am interested to what the Bills have been thinking with that athletic profile, and it's certainly not just to move on from him tomorrow. He does have a role in this defense. He is a premier backup. They hadn't needed to use him. I do think he was ready to go and show what he had more of, but the bills experience injuries pretty much everywhere else, but not too, too much uh, at the linebacker room, which was great. Hence why we're talking about the strength of the team in the bills linebacking room. We'll talk a minute about Jordan Poyer. We don't really think there's any way back for Jordan Poyer on this team. You know, whether he thinks he's going to make 10 to 11, it's certainly too much for what the bills are thinking probably in the single digits, you know, five, six, um, he definitely believes he's earned more than that. His family believes he's earned more than that. And by his metrics, you know, I know he's getting older, but by his metrics, he has earned more than that. I just don't think the bills are going to go there in the 11, the 12, the 13, the $14 million range. Could something happen to where his market's not as robust at his age than he thinks. And he comes back and he says, Hey, Buffalo two for 10, two for 12, whatever that, whatever that might look like. There's probably is a, just like we're talking about a threshold that we might not go over for Tremaine. There probably is a threshold that we would reach for Poyer if that ever needed to be approached, but he's got Rosenhaus. He's feeling pretty comfortable that he's going to get paid. He is key to this defense and the bills have a gaping hole at safety now uh, with Micah Hyde. You know, we don't know if Hamlin's going to ever play. It doesn't seem like it, it, it would happen per, you know, some doctors I've spoken to, um, we'll see how that all turns out um, with Demar Hamlin and his and his rehab, but 
no Hamlin, potentially no Poyer. Looking for health insurance coverage? Medical Mutual's individual and family health plans have you covered with $0 select preventive drugs, $0 on-demand telemedicine, a wellness rewards program, and access to thousands of health care providers located throughout Ohio. Plus, most plans include MedMutual Pet, a pet wellness service at no additional cost. You also may qualify for subsidies that can be used to help pay your monthly premium. Visit MedMutual.com slash ACA to find a plan today. The Jeep Black Friday sales event is here with incredible deals on a wide selection of Jeep 4x4 vehicles. Now, well-qualified lessees get a low mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee El Laredo 4x4 for $469 a month for 39 months at $3,739 due at signing. Tax, title, license extra, no security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution and lease through Stellantis Financial. Extra charge for miles over 32500 Not all customers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery from dealer stock by 11 Jeep is a registered trademark. Jaquan Johnson's gone. You wouldn't play him anyways. You know, you're not going to use Cam Lewis. The Bills have a gaping hole at safety, Mike. Do you see them wanting to attack that free agency? Or is that something we're going to go high-end draft pick, JL Skinner, et cetera, uh, in the draft? I, I think the Bills need to save their draft picks for offense. That's really where I'm going to focus here on, you know, in our March and April shows. But no to re-signing Poyer, right? And what what are you thinking there? So I think for safety, if the only way I would really draft one is if it was somebody that was high end first, second round ability. And I don't think the bills are going to go that direction. Uh, so if they do bring in someone new at safety, uh, find a lower end free agent that won't cost you as much. I'm not expecting a star replacement. I, I would expect a lower end uh, starter to go alongside uh, Mike Hyde. Maybe you uh, are able to bring Dean Marlowe back. Mm-hmm. I I don't have any inside information on DeMar Hamlin. I know you said you, you spoke to some doctors. I don't know what the doctors told you uh, based on their speculation. This is just me guessing, so take it for what it's worth. I do believe that DeMar Hamlin is going to be back with the Bills next year. My, I, I'm not a... I'm not in the medical field, so my opinion really doesn't mean a whole lot. But from my understanding, just reading things and listening to other professionals speak about what he had, it was a real freak occurrence and absolutely scary, traumatic, horrible um, what did take place. But the odds of something like that happening a second time from what I've read is very very unlikely. So my from from my understanding what I've read, like I said I'm uneducated on the issue so don't take it too seriously, but from what I've read it feels like it's something that he could theoretically come back and still be himself on the field and not be at risk of further injuring himself. He has gotten a clean bill of health from his doctors in Buffalo. I guess what it comes down to is is he does he want to continue playing after what happened? Or do the doctors feel comfortable with him playing? And do the Bills believe that he could be a starting safety um, and be their potential best option to play alongside Micah Hyde? So, like I said, a lot of speculation, really no information to go off of. But 
my uneducated opinion, I, I do think that DeMar Hamlin could be the, the starting safety next to Micah Hyde mm. next year. Mm. I have a differing, differing opinion from the doctors I've spoken with. It doesn't seem like something that, um, if, if you, I, I know private conversations, but what, what were they speculating when they, when they spoke to you? Because I know we've had this chat on we've had this chat on cover one a couple times, and there has been conflicting opinions. There there have been some in the group that do believe that it is a possibility. And I I did see professionals that I don't it's it's kind of a joke calling it, but TV doctors that have said in something like this, it is totally reasonable to believe that as long as you didn't suffer um brain damage or anything else during the time that you're actually out with your heart not, not beating and not uh, breathing, if you that you can make a full recovery and you can be 100% of the person that you were before the episode, assuming that it was the commotio cordis that was uh, mentioned and speculated plenty of times. But, but what were the doctors telling you that obviously not inside information, but what they're experience with it was just the 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 toll it took on his bottle body internally um he can make a full recovery no issues um it's the damage to his heart and his heart lining potentially i'm not sure if there's any research to say there's no evidence of reoccurrence from what i've told he is now at an increasingly higher risk whether that's true or not there's not a ton of real data it's only happened like 60 times in the last 20 years um so it's not there's not a ton of data on it and it's usually to small ball sports hockey baseball etc um so there's not a ton of data on and younger younger athletes as well you know 10 to 15 you know 8 to 15 somewhere in that range so you're definitely worried about the long-term health of the heart and the lining of the heart and lungs um, and a couple of those things. Lungs actually took a big hit too in this uh, situation too. Um, so there's definitely a lot to consider. I trust the Bills staff. It and that's definitely, ultimately, it will come down to what DeMar Hamlin and what the Bills staff believe. And yeah. And also, like I said, all I was saying is speculation. I don't have any advanced degrees or anything. So I, I really, my opinion is meaningless when it comes down to this, but if for whatever reason, we do see DeMar Hamlin on a, a bill sideline in July at St. John Fisher, I'm going to believe it's because the bills think that he is completely fine going forward, but we'll, we'll see if maybe we will have an answer based on how they attack the draft and free agency to see how, where they stand on this, because if they don't go after a safety replacement high in the draft, or if they don't bring a safety replacement free agency, that could be an indicator that they do believe that DeMar will be their guy going forward. And before his injury, before his, the incident that took place, I would have been completely content with DeMar Hamlin starting alongside Micah Hyde in 2023. So I would have been, I know people were, were getting on him a little bit towards the end of the season. They were uh, getting frustrated with some of the, the breakdowns at times that the defense was having, but it, it was important to note. He was a, he's a second year player 
and he was thrusted into a starting position earlier than what was expected. So I'm hoping that the situation with him, he is able to come back and play for the Bills, but uh, we'll see, Kev. If, if your doctors are right, then obviously the Bills need to attack free agency and, and find someone to go alongside Mike Hyde because we saw what this defense was this year without one starting safety and at times two starting safeties. And, and it made a huge trickle-down impact throughout the entire secondary from the corners to to communicating and, and everything. So uh, even though they still had a good metric season, you could see the holes in the defense uh, start to, to open up overall. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll see. I don't know that he's done, done forever and ever. Doctors I, I, I have spoken with on the topic who researched it does do not seem positive, but they're not in the Bills room. They're not with the player. They're not going through it uh, with him. So we'll see how that all turns out. I don't, at the very least, the Bills cannot rely on him in March or April making a full recovery. That may take six months. It may take nine, 12 months. It may be into next year at some point after a PUP stint and then working up the aerobics, et cetera. It could be never again. I do believe you have to at least act as if you do have a starting safety um, needed. And you might have anyways, honestly, with player walking. So at the end of the day, uh, I do believe safety is a need. It's just a matter of where are the bills going to address that, that, that safety. So we're going to assume the bills are going to address it. Let's, let's assume they need to look for another safety. Um, you know, obviously Poyer walking, I, I just can't see him, you know, he's projected per, uh, per spot track to make 11 million uh, PFF set eight and a half. It's probably somewhere in the middle, more toward the 10 number. Uh, it's just going to be too much regardless. And to let's be real. Poyer, Poyer wants to get paid because he feels like he hasn't really gotten his fair compensation during his career. And I believe he's right to think that Kevin, he's had a great tenure with the bills. But he, when he first came to Buffalo, he wasn't getting paid much. He was coming off an injury in Cleveland, and he wasn't even expected to be really a star player when he first came to Buffalo with Micah Hyde in 2017. Even after his success, he never really got monster deals to to stay with the team. He, he got some friendly deals, so got decent money, but never got paid like an all-pro or a pro bowler. And I think in Jordan Poirier's mind, even though he's up there now in age, and, and, and I don't blame the Bills for not giving him the money because you're not supposed to be paying on past production. You're supposed to be paying for what you are hoping to get out of a player going forward. And I don't think the Bills expect him to remain at this level two, three years from now. So I completely understand why the Bills are playing with a, a fine line. But I, it would be nice to see Jordan Poyer get compensated for some of the recent success he had. It, it just – not likely to be Buffalo. And some of that's the cap. Some of that's Poyer's age situation injuries. I'm sure didn't make it any likelier that the bills were going to give him the money, uh, even though that was Poyer battling through a lot of difficult things to try to win one in Buffalo. Uh, it's just, it's just unfortunate. They didn't get a chance to, to ever play in the Super Bowl, especially after making the playoffs five out of six years with, with him and Micah Hyde. Yeah. 
definitely. So we'll see where they turn to at safety. I think I want to get younger. I want to stop paying players that are over 28. Like at some point, like we're going to probably designate some money to either admins, most likely maybe a Pratt, but I'd like to stop paying players over 30. Like they have one on the books and Von Miller, he's your difference maker. They have more that they're looking at on the roster. I'd like to get younger. And I think you need to do so uh, at the safety position. So we'll see. Does that mean free agency? I would think that they would like a veteran there with with Hyde. Maybe they go straight rookie in, like I said, a JL Skinner uh, in the second round, who is a beast, um, if they want to designate another high pick on DB or DN. So we'll see if they want to go that route. There's always Tremaine Edmonds' brother, Terrell Edmonds, could he get it done? He's a box safety. He could be a cheaper replacement for Poyer. Once again, we can't replace Poyer with Jesse Bates every time. Like we can't replace him with better players. We just don't have that. And, and Kev, some of it is just accepting that sometimes you're going to regress in certain areas, but as long as your team is strong enough in other areas to make up for it, it could still work out for you. Uh, like we said earlier, Cincinnati was, I think the 12th metric DVOA defense. Uh, heading into the playoffs. I don't know where Kansas City was on the list, but the Bills don't need to have 17. Yeah, 17. So the Bills don't need to have a top five defense to win a Super Bowl. They don't even need to be top 10. What they really need, and we said it last week on the show, is that come playoff time, they need Josh Allen to be godly for four weeks, maybe three weeks if they can somehow get a a first round by uh, in a row and just play manage manageable defense what what's killed the bills really isn't that they haven't been great uh defensively in the regular season of these games it's just that every time they they match up against kansas city or cincinnati in the playoffs they're getting manhandled but that would be 95 percent of defenses in the nfl regardless of who's on the team so really if you're looking at it as you're going to allow 24 to 30 points against kansas city or cincinnati every time you play them in the playoffs Regardless of if you have. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A $15 million a year safety or if you have a $100 million linebacker, then you look at it and you're like, so how are we going to get over the top in those games? Well, you need your offense to be at their best in every one of those contests. And you can't have a coaching blunder like obviously the Bills did in the playoffs the year before. So that's where attacking the offense, I think, makes the most sense. Don't give any excuses for this offense not to succeed. Obviously, this year the offensive line just didn't step up. 
make sure that offensive line protects Josh so he has time in the pocket. Make sure he has his, the weapons at wide receiver, at running back, so he, the game can become easier. Too much was placed on his shoulders last year, so I'm okay with the defense regressing as long as we can get that consistency out of our offense on a weekly basis. I, they're already one of the best in the NFL, number two in the metrics, um, in many metrics this year. The key is you can't have that effort against Cincinnati in the playoffs. You can't have the the effort against Kansas City in the AFC Championship uh, that they had in twenty the 2020 season. We need to find a way to where when the playoffs come, even if your defense is allowing 32 points, you find a way to score 35. And I know it's easier said than done, but uh, I'm all in now going forward, focusing the offense because it is what it is when you're going to play Cincinnati and Kansas City every year. And could Cincinnati lose Lou Anarumo? Could they lose Callahan? Could they lose both coordinators to Indy and Arizona? We'll see shortly with finalists for that job Saturday versus Callahan. Uh, and it's looking like Kafka uh, versus Anarumo uh, in Arizona. So we'll see how that turns out. Could Cincinnati have a lot to deal with uh, very shortly? Does look like it's possible. They have an offensive line to always deal with. Those linebackers have to deal with the safeties. Um you know, they're, they're worrying about a lot and those weapons on top of it all, they're worrying about a lot in Cincinnati. Um, so I personally agree. I think the bill should be designating and upgrading every position possible on the offense and going all in um, and hovering around, like you said, the 12 to 18 mark on defense. And they're going to have some lapses. They had some lapses anyways, as a top three unit. So um, I'd rather be able to do everything we can to hedge our bet to yeah. be a really top flight offense and for people it starts at the offensive line i think there's some really good offensive linemen that we can talk about on this show over the course of the following weeks um in the draft i don't know that free agency is going to be the way but the bills generally do do like vet older veteran free agents um on the offensive line there were some interesting names there uh, across the league like philly's whole offensive lines free agents um you know see is a guy I'm, I'm monitoring closely here um, at the interior position, uh, he, he's he's you know really strong uh, and a guy that I'd like to target. I mean, you have so many names. Could the Bills make one splash signing, and could it be um, at the offensive line position? You know, we'll we'll take. Well, a look Aaron at Cromer that. was expected to be a master offensive line coach, and we know he is a great offensive line coach. But that was probably one of the bigger disappointments of this year. Not that Roger Saffold was supposed to be great. Not that. Bates was expected to be great. Same with Spencer Brown. But the thought process was you bring in Aaron Cromer as your offensive line coach, that he's going to be able to develop those guys to a next level. Saffold was horrible this year. Being named a Pro Bowl was just a joke, to be honest. And I respect him as a veteran, but that was a severe that, – that was a horrible spot for the Bills at left guard. Spencer Brown has not developed into – a good player at this point in his career. Ryan Bates is average, I would say. So you really only have two linemen that you're very confident in, and Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morris. So offensive line is definitely something they need to uh, to address. And I, I did want to address the, the one comment that RJ had um, when he said, the Bills can't get to the AFC Championship with a top three offense, top three defense. At some points, it feels impossible. It, it shouldn't feel impossible. Sometimes when I'm talking about regressing on defense, I know that that sounds like you're accepting getting worse. 
you're not really accepting getting worse. I, I think the thing with metrics, and I know we were heavy with the metrics on the show. Sometimes you can have a good offense and a good defense, but you're still not good enough overall. And we saw many years where the Chargers would have a top defense, top offense, but they weren't good enough to win the games that they needed to win. The Chiefs can beat anybody despite having uh, average defense because their offense is just unstoppable. It, it doesn't matter. And they, they have that clutch factor. Sometimes if you have that clutch factor, that unstoppable factor, it doesn't matter if your defense is average to below average. And and we all want balance, but what we really want is championships. And to get that, you need to do the things that get you over the edge. The Chiefs, because a lot of people were – I've been seeing this on social media in the last couple of weeks. They're wondering – why were the Chiefs able to cause so many issues for Joe Burrow while the Bills weren't, while the Chiefs are the 17th-ranked defense and the Bills were a number two, number three-ranked defense? Well, it, we all we say it every week. The NFL is a matchup league. The Chiefs could take advantage of Burrow despite having a worse defense than the Bills because they have Chris Jones inside. And Chris Jones going up against backups obliterated them. And what's the one thing that kills – quarterbacks like Joe Burrow or any quarterback, interior pressure, guys that are getting to them quickly. So while the Bills have a better overall defense, a team that can consistently scheme better on a week-to-week basis, they didn't have the players to take advantage of what Cincinnati threw at them. So in a way, the reason why I'm saying go all out on offense is because heading into this offseason with the, the lack of resources the Bills have when it comes to free agency, the salary cap, uh, low-end draft picks overall, I don't think there is enough defensive guys out there that the Bills can actually afford to make a noticeable improvement. I've basically come to terms the Bills' defense is going to get worse next year. I've, I've come to terms with it, with it. But I look at the offense and I say, well, you know, we had three pretty horrible offensive lineman this year we had our best wide receiver going inside plenty of times which took away from the outside because we didn't have a person that could play in the slot we had a quarterback that didn't really utilize Dawson Knox even though Knox was getting open at times so I look at the offense and I think this offense does have the ability with a few offseason moves to make improvements to get better and to take that next step going into next year. So it's one of those trade-offs. If the defense does fall to 10 to 15, but the offense becomes more consistent, starts scheming things better, and starts taking advantage of opponents at a higher basis, I still think this team could be a Super Bowl contender going into next year. So that's why I'm okay with losing a little bit of that balance because I think there's ways to make up for it uh, if they attack this properly. Yeah, we got another great film room coming up here at nine o'clock. So stay tuned to that. Uh, there's definitely some some great topics to go over for the team at nine o'clock. So stay tuned for our action-packed Tuesday here at the Cover One Network. Uh, really, um, you know, lots of content from all over. Uh, no matter what you're looking for, um, I you know my guy Whittle says he thinks Brown has a bounce back year. Still want the team to take a right tackle. That's exactly where I stand on this situation. Um, Foley, I think the Bills think that he has a bounce back. The reason uh, Cromer is here is to work with athletic profiles. 
a name that the Bills lost early on, and uh, we've spoken with him, but Tommy Doyle is a name the Bills had a lot of plans for at guard. Um, he went in in his first game as a guard and got hurt in that heat in the ACL, and uh, he's rehabbing that since that you know late September game. Should be ready for training camp by all accounts. That happened early in the season last year. He was a name with that athletic profile they thought converted to guard pretty nicely. We didn't get to see. We were robbed of that opportunity. So watch out for Tommy Doyle this season and what he's able to do as well as, as Brown, I don't believe that it's just, they're not going to give up on him. Um, You know, Bean says his biggest miss was Wyatt Teller with that athletic profile. I think the bills will continue to develop him and try to increase their strength at guard. I think it's smart to have a backup tackle. I just don't see this tackle guard tackle center draft that people are looking for. Um, I think with some subtle tweaks, uh, a new starting guard instead of Saffold, um, you know, moving Bates back over to left guard, plugging in a day one right guard. Um, I think that with a healthy Morse, um, you know, a fully healthy and, and ready to go Brown, he faced back injuries in COVID. Um, so I think that with all of those pieces, those are the tweaks you need to make and having high end depth behind it. They like Butker. He's a good depth interior offensive lineman. He's not, you know, he's not the world's best guard. But he, the league doesn't even have five starters, let alone 10. So someone like Butker is good depth on a unit, and, and that's what he would then become. I think they like Quisenberry a little bit as, as a depth piece only at the tackle spot. I think Saffold could come back on a very team-friendly deal as a backup to a starting rookie guard that could help him develop. By all accounts, Saffold's a good locker room guy. He knows this game, can, can start in a pinch, obviously, but – he could really help the development of a rookie guard. There's no reason to not welcome him back as a seventh or eighth offensive lineman. Um, and then Tommy Doyle kind of takes over that sixth spot. Uh, and uh, he was the Bobby Hart, really. He was really good as the tackle eligible. He can play all across the line. Really good to have active on game days. So you're looking at a Doyle, a Saffold, um, a Quisenberry, a Butker as kind of your reserve offensive lineman. Uh, next year uh, for this team. So uh, Alec Anderson's another high-end practice squad guy who got called up once and then had a back injury to go on IR. He's a name to watch out for as an athletic backup tackle, kind of in that 10th and final spot, uh, pushing for a roster spot. And then the the starting five to me needs to be Dawkins, uh, Rick Bates, Morse, with a center in development, a starting rookie guard. um, And then I think they're going to give Brown a chance to, to develop. And then a tackle and, you know, another tackle maybe in the third and fourth round. So I'm looking at like a second and a fourth round offensive lineman this year uh, to supplement what the Bills are looking to do. Add in that influx of young talent. And I think that that could be enough to push Brown uh, and, and do more. So to me, there was some lapses. They were still pretty good in pass protection as much as we all don't want to admit it. We're all thinking about the Bengals game where they were terrible. Uh, the entire team was terrible. There wasn't really much. Elam played okay in stretches. There really wasn't much else to like in that game. Um, so I can't even point to specific, I mean, Josh was slinging it. Like, I can't really think of any specific James Cook was missing holes. I can't think of any specific thing I liked from that football game. So we're not going to just have recency bias of one game. I wish they would have won it in the snow. Didn't look like they had a snow game plan. That's a discussion for a different day. But, um, with all that being said, I think a few tweaks to rookie offensive linemen to the unit is is what I'm looking for to watch the Bills develop at the offensive line position. I just don't think it requires high-end guard, high-end guard, high-end center, high-end first-round tackle. I mean, like, at some point, like, 
it just needs some influx of talent, but it doesn't need to be the only thing the Bills do this offseason because we're only thinking about the fact that Dawkins fell over at one point. Saffold did, literally didn't block anybody. He's going to be replaced. Um, so I just think that there's a lot that the Bills can do subtly at the interior offensive line. clean a lot of that up too. So Allen yeah. is capable of getting by with a subpar line. If Allen could lead the second-ranked offense in spite of what he had in front of him, Last year, imagine what he can do if he gets just average protection, average uh, run game to complement him. So I do think there is opportunities for the Bills to improve that route. In another area that will be really interesting going forward is how do they attack the wide receivers? Is there mm-hmm. the potential to to bring in a guy or two this offseason? The, the question will be, now you have Cole Beasley talking about willing to come back. Well, is he willing to take a very cheap – deal to stay with the team because that's the only way I I could really see the bills. uh, I think he would be keeping Cole Beasley. Now, if he's willing to stay, that creates an avenue to where if you believe he's good enough to be your starting slot guy, or at least split that role with Khalil Shakir, you could attack wide receiver completely differently uh, going forward. Maybe you draft someone in the later, in the later rounds or the middle rounds to, uh, to develop knowing that you have a top four that you're pretty confident in. Another scenario, if you let Cole Beasley walk, is that you could go a uh, wide receiver in the first or second round uh, or even go the route and try to get a Paris Campbell or someone else that's a, a not necessarily a high-end uh, free agent, but someone that can add uh, a role to your team. So I personally want someone in here that can add – Another dynamic, uh, a person that people have been talking about has been Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. He was phenomenal in the Rose Bowl against Utah a couple years ago and then missed yep. almost all of this past season with uh, with injuries. If he falls in the draft to the late first round, I think the Bills should be all over it. Uh, you add a guy like that to your offense in the slot, uh, you instantly have uh, a new dynamic, a high-end talent that you can work with and develop. You put that together with a, with a Gabe Davis, a Stephon Diggs, and you while also developing a Khalil Shakir, and I think you could have a solid four. Um, Flowers out of Boston College, that's a name a lot of people have been discussing um, at mm-hmm. wide receiver. Go that route or get a Paris Campbell. Go get someone comparable to that, and I think you could be a dynamic passing game again. A lot of people are going to mention the big name guys. They're going to say Gabe Davis isn't good enough as a number two wide receiver. Well, there's not many teams that have 900 yard number two receivers. There's only a few in the league that that have a one two punch that's uh, a high end overall. So while Gabe Davis did get a lot of criticism at the end of the year for his drops and uh, low completion percentage when targeted, there are explanations that go into it. Uh, Gabe Davis does have a high A dot average depth of target. So when you're going deeper down the field, you are going to have a lower percentage, a lower completion percentage when targeted. So that is one reason why Gabe Davis doesn't have the 60% completion percentage when, when thrown to, it's not because he's dropping five yard passes. He's, he's getting a lot of contested balls, a lot of throws that are uh, in difficult spots. And yes, I think we're all hoping for Davis to take his game to another level, but we do have to appreciate he had over 830 yards receiving and over the course of his first three years, he averages around seven touchdowns a year. Those are not bad numbers. 
But if you could get a number three that could complement him, and when I say number three, I'm not even talking like number three target. Like if you just get that slot where maybe your slot guy is your number two target, Davis can be your number two outside guy. It, it can open things up. So I'm actually pretty confident that there's going to be pieces available to the Bills this offseason to really take this offense up a notch. My biggest yeah. question is, will Ken Dorsey be able to take advantage and scheme things up in year two to get this Bills offense to the next level? Because what I think we – what we saw under Brian Dable for a few years was that he was able to scheme easy things up for the Bills. Plays where Davis is wide open. Guys are just walking on with a bunch of room to the end zone uncontested. The, the offense metrically is actually better, but the easy plays have left the offense. Can Dorsey find a way to make life easier for his skill players? That'll be crucial for them to take that next step. That's true. What will happen at the wide receiver position? Um, and, you know, Dable wasn't everybody's favorite early on. He struggled at times. People didn't, weren't sure he was too creative. He was doing some goofy things. He was throwing to Josh Allen. Um, you know, they were struggling in stretches. And people forget the three and five stretch even last year. The Bills had to even not get home field advantage in the 13-second game. So we and all like to remember uh, about the, the hard time separating he was better in his 21 role, but he was also number three, number four target. Then when you had Stefan, number one, you had Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. That's why I think if you can get that, that Paris Campbell, or if you can get that, that high end slot guy, yes, he would still technically be considered your number two, but there would be a lot of stress taken off of him. I think if, if you get Gabe Davis to be that third option, or even that four, fourth option on plays where mm-hmm. you know your, your slot guy is going to be the, the second that second option behind Diggs, that will open things up for Davis. He is good enough to, to, to take advantage of opposing defenses. I just don't believe he was ready for, for that role last year, and that doesn't mean that he won't take a step forward. He was a third-year player, and he had 830 yards last year. So I do think uh, some Bills fans need to – Less than some of the criticism. He definitely was worthy of being criticized, but it's not like he is a bad player. If you if you compare Gabe Davis and you go through every other NFL roster and look at their number two receivers, look at their production, you're going to find that we are we are critical of him because we are watching him on a night, on a game by game basis. If you watch all the other number two wide receivers in the league, you'd realize there's a bunch of them that do not even put up the numbers that Gabe Davis does. So. Um, we'll we'll see. Uh, how it's like things- AJ. It's like AJ Epinesa too. I know a lot of people hate AJ Epinesa. He had more sacks than Hubbard. He had more sacks than um, than the Chiefs' uh, uh, defensive ends. So, like at some point, he's the second best, most productive pass rusher on many teams in the league. Um, so, at some at some point, like he's a good rotational defensive end at two million dollars. Like, sure, like I want him to be Von Miller, but. At some point, six, seven, eight sacks a year, him and Rousseau as a second and third combo. And Boogie, there's fourth, Shaq, there's fifth, kind of. It's a good defensive end rotation. You just don't sure watch enough. They couldn't overcome it. Yeah. A lot of yeah. fans just don't watch enough of the other teams. And when they People are like Sam Hubbard them, from Cincy, yeah. he had six sacks. 
you're watching primetime games. You're watching games that are in the spotlight. So it, it's almost like when Mike Gillisley went to the Patriots. Well, when the Bills let him walk to the Patriots, people were like, oh, he's going to just tear it up in the Patriots. And then, of course, the first game he plays on primetime, he has four touchdowns. And people are like, can you believe the Bills let Mike Gillisley walk? And then the whole rest of the year, he does nothing. Sometimes when, you, when you're watching other teams play uh, one or two times a year and you're seeing a player make play here, play there, you have a, a tendency of talking up the the opposing player and while devaluing your own player. Uh, we, we saw this right. even recently with Marquez Valdez-Scantley um, from uh, Kansas City. A lot of people are talking about, how come the Bills didn't get a guy like him in the offseason last year? Well, you know what? He, he had a pretty average season at, at best. He wasn't anything uh, special or great overall, but you watch him for – a couple games, he makes a few plays. You're going to think he's a pro bowler. Same thing when Chris Hogan was on the Patriots. You'd see a few a few samples, and then you overestimate your opponents and you undervalue your own. And it's a, it's a normal thing to do, but sometimes you have to realize when you're doing it because you have, we have a tendency of overinflating or undervaluing our own players. And it's good to, I guess, keep things more even keeled. I completely agree with you. Uh, Robert says, whenever Mahomes started off to get too weird with turnovers, Reed reeled him back in. Can Dorsey do the same? We'll have to see, right? Um, I think he's got it in him. Uh, the trump card is that Alan wants Dorsey. It's not some some bad relationship where he's like talking to Sean about getting them fired. The reason he might still have a year two is Josh Allen. So ultimately, he, Josh has been on many shows or a few shows since the loss saying I need to be better with certain schemes. You know, we need to run better routes. Um, offensive line needs to play better. It wasn't just scheme-based. Yes, bad play design. The interception with Patrick Peterson in the Minnesota game did not have a drag route to pull Peterson off of Davis. Um, bad scheme there. And there's been uncreative stretches um, from, from Dorsey. But ultimately, the execution was pretty poor. Um, and it just wasn't good in the final game. They were 13 and three, 14 and three going into that game uh, against Cincinnati, highly productive. Uh, and, you know, DVOA would back it up. I mean, stats, raw stats, if you're a box score guy, backs it up. At some point, like our thinking they are, our eye test isn't there is weird because every metric backed up, they had a really good offense, top four. In most you can have a bad scheme and still make bad plays. And I think that was right. and it part of what we saw with the Bills. Dorsey did have bad moments, but Allen also yes. made bad moments worse with his decision-making. So it, you can bring up the, the Jets throw, the, the, the interception right. where he just didn't notice the, the man in coverage. Whitehead, uh, yep. You can – you can even hate on the QB sneak that led to the fumble against Minnesota or um, the lack of awareness with some of the pressures at times this season. But yeah, that, that's something they're both going to have to work on and they're going to have to get on the same page. And if ultimately that'll be what will determine if the Bills offense can take that next level, can they be on the same page? I think it's telling that Josh Allen vouches for Dorsey. I think that goes beyond friendship. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously Josh, feels close to Dorsey. He has a respect level for Dorsey because uh, Dorsey played in the NFL. He was one of the, the better college quarterbacks of his era, won a national championship for one of the greatest teams in college football history. So I think Josh does have a high level of respect for him. Um, 
but in in the end, Josh Allen wouldn't be vouching for for Ken Dorsey if he didn't believe that Dorsey could make him a better player and guide this offense in the right direction because there's only one thing Josh truly cares about, and that's winning a Super Bowl. So he believes Dorsey can help him in that scenario. We'll see. The fan base has kind of given up on Dorsey uh, quickly, but mm-hmm. we also didn't necessarily believe in Brian Dable after the first couple of years he was in Buffalo. Um, so things can change. So we'll, we'll see how things uh, go, what direction they go. We, we don't have Rick Dennison as offensive coordinator anymore. That's for sure. That's very true. Uh, Mike, backup quarterback real quickly. Couple couple choices. Case Keenum, still very close. They were said to be very close inside the locker room. Does Josh get ultimate trump card on who he picks at some point? Backup quarterback, if talented enough, sure, Josh should get say in that specific position. Does he get say into the starting left guard? Maybe not. But does he get does he get say in um, who can be in that room with him, developing him as a veteran? I think there's some say that can go to Josh Allen to make sure that room's as close as possible. I don't think that room was bad uh, with with Keenum and Barkley. I don't think there's any reason to mess with that as long as both are willing to take their second and third quarterback roles respectively. I don't think much needs to be done there. If Case thinks he's going to go out and get five-plus million as a premier 1B. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They'll have to let him do that. There's still plenty of options. Mitchell Trubisky could come back. I thought he was good. He's close with Sam Darnold. Um, there's definitely some options the Bills could go. I like Darnold a lot, and I like the um, Mitchell Trubisky route or Case Keenum. There's a couple of really I close I don't think routes. Darnold would consider Buffalo because I still think Darnold believes You still think that. he thinks he's a 1A? I don't think he believes he's a 1A, but I think he would rather go to a situation with a vulnerable starter hmm. to where hmm. if someone maybe stinks it up for five weeks to start a year, someone could still give him a shot to try to revive himself. And if he does that could work his way back to a starter role. I don't, I don't think Darnold is going to want to be part of a situation where he's a clear, clear backup behind an established guy where the only way he's getting into games is an injury. So I, Darnold would probably be one of my top options because I, I do. I think he's a top option. He's good enough to, to lead the team um, in case of an injury. Keenum is not a bad backup quarterback, but I think we saw last year, there's, quite a drop off from John and this is obvious stuff. So I'm not trying to be clever or smart here, but we, we saw if Josh went out, the bills were going to be in trouble with case Keenum. Maybe he could steal you a game um, or two at the defense steps up, but the bills offense wasn't going to score 20 plus points with case Keenum in there. We saw this year with Mitch Trubisky, a lot of struggles in Pittsburgh. 
realistically, I don't care too much if Keenum or Trubisky want to be the Buffalo backup and they're both willing to take light contracts. I'm fine with that. Um, but um, it's pretty obvious, regardless of who the backup quarterback is, the Bills are going to be in trouble if that ever becomes a situation, just because of how much Josh saves this team and bails everyone else out. Yeah, and if we were more of a system offense where it was timing based and you let your you drew things up, you schemed, and you let your players do things with the ball after the after the case, like San Francisco or maybe Philadelphia or something like that. Then I would be like, okay, get someone that's halfway decent. You don't want the drop off. My belief is whoever the quarterback is that's coming in for Josh, they're going to have a, a hell of a time behind whatever offensive line we have and guys coming after us. Yeah, and I'll read some names real quickly as we've done across the unit. There's there's a decent free agent class, especially factoring in Carr um, and Rodgers. Between them, like where were these classes when the Bills needed a quarterback? Jeez, the last couple of years, like you're able to get a quarterback just trying now. Like the couple during the drought, the Bills didn't have the option. It was not like it is today with some of these at least 12 to 22 range quarterbacks that could come in and meet. I mean, the Bills scraped to get Tyrod Taylor finally to boost him into like the 20 range of, you know, best quarterbacks. But I mean, these teams are going to get car. I mean, the Raiders are going to get to go right to Rogers. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of lucky. Like we don't talk about that in the, the drought as much. How unlucky the uh, Bills really were. With certain I mean, situations. Jackson, does he stay in Baltimore? Like, ultimately there's just such a good names of, of, of quarterbacks. Obviously Brady's retiring. So Tampa's got to do something. It's um, much easier but, to be a quarterback now though, than what it was 15 years ago. And the numbers have yeah. changed so drastically because of the lack of um, just cars on his way to uh, the saints, by the way, I saw today. So Carr looks like he's going to go be New Orleans starting quarterback potentially, um, which would be nice. And Rogers going to Raiders. I love that by the Not way. My- it- if Aaron Rodgers yeah. went to the Raiders, that really could hold. Where does Jones and his forty million go? Where does Geno Smith and his projection in the thirties go? Um, you have to think Geno stays in Seattle. I I would think so if they're going to. Why pay would him. any? I don't. I think Geno leaving Seattle would be a horrible decision for him, and I think it would be a bad decision for Seattle. They Jimmy G's even good. Where's he going to go? The Jets. Where's he going to end up? Jimmy G. Like, there's definitely think- some good names that are available if the Raiders don't get Rodgers I think they make a run at Jimmy G yeah I think they get Rodgers but yes but yes that would be a good pivot for them some backups real quickly though more in the Bills range enough you know we could talk around the NFL I guess but more in the Bills range you're thinking you know where does Baker Mayfield go I think he's more in the range of rebirthing his career at the Rams a little bit where what happens to him but then behind him it's Sam Darnold um you know Case Keenum Mason Rudolph Jacoby Brissett Interesting name, Andy Dalton, who might get replaced by Derek Carr. Um, you know, Mike White, interesting. CJ Beathard, Kyle Allen, very close with Josh Allen. Oh, don't bring Kyle Allen. I do like Jacoby Brissett as uh, one of yeah, those sure. um, outlier names. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was actually really good with the Browns this year when he was starting. They actually had a top ten DVOA offense. Probably one of the and best backup part- quarterbacks in the we league. We saw him against us. The Brissett was yeah. lighting it up a little bit. So yeah, uh, he's good for backup. I, I think it's hard to get much better than, than him unless you get a top end uh, backup. So, yeah, I mean, I think the way you would be better than potentially if he can stay healthy and wants to play here, his projection is only four and a half million in um, Sam Darnold. 
So I don't think it's outlandish that the Bills would double down on their ability to rebirth his career. And then obviously Mitchell Trubisky should be getting cut here shortly um, in the coming weeks that could be added to this mix. Sam's Andy number one. Sam, Sam's the top if you, can, if you can afford it and he's willing to come. Yeah, he's my top. And then you go into the second range, which is Case Keenum, maybe Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, what happens to Jacoby Brissett? I think he might have played himself into something. Maybe not. Maybe he's still also a four to six million dollar quarterback. I don't know how one of those guys is going to be the guy. But there's a lot of quarterbacks like at some point, you know, a teams aren't going to be paying veterans. They're going to, you know, Baker might be one of them that jumps in there. Jimmy G. Obviously, whatever happens to Lamar, where Carr and Rodgers go, uh, where Daniel Jones go, Geno Smith, like those are some of the names that are going to get paid. At some point, Brissett, Darnold, some of these guys aren't getting paid and they're going to need to take a really good rebirth job. I mean, the Bills got Trubisky played playing behind um, behind Josh Allen. So at some point they could sell that same to Darnold. Hey, one year deal. Come be here. Come be your best version. If anything ever happens, you're in a top flight offense. Um, presumably uh, with with the weapons that the Bills are hoping to to have going into next year. So it's going to be interesting how this all plays out, Mike, but it's been an action-packed show. We got the film room coming up here in 30 minutes. Uh, we really appreciate everybody tuning in to this. What do the Bills do with their free agent edition? We'll get into some more of those names we just talked about, quarterback, running back, I want to get into in future shows. Delvin Cook guy, myself, I think the Bills could really be lucrative there. Does a higher-end guy become available? Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones. Some of these guys um, could come in and be dynamic pieces to the Bills running game, protect Josh Allen with the O-line and the running game. Um, so at some point, we've seen some stuff about can, can Cook be a number one running back? I don't know, but mixed with his bro brother, he could be. So um, want to talk quarterback, backup quarterback here in future shows. Want to talk about what they're going to do uh, with, with, with James Cook next year. Um, obviously we're going to get in a ton of, you know, me and Mike, we'll get in a ton of receiver, um, rookies and veteran Jacoby Myers. Um, could they go Matt Collins? Could they go Keenan Allen? Will they make a trade? I'm like, you know, like Mike Evans, like how, how, how crazy do they get here? But I do think that there's some conversations that can be had. We're going to dive into a receiver here in February. We're also going to dive into offensive line. So many good interior guys I want to talk about. I think they're going to get a plug and play right guard in this draft. And that will really increase this offense. A, a, a starting running back, a plug-and-play right guard, some depth at center, uh, right tackle behind um, Brown, and then some receiver changes. And I think this offense takes that next step, Mike. So lots to look forward to when we discuss on the Going Deep podcast. We're going to go deep into free agency over the next five weeks. One of my favorite times of the year where I excel. We're going to be doing a cap special, cap and re-sign free agent office, front office cover one special. Grab, uh, Greg Thompson on cover one Buffalo, um, I believe, in two weeks from now. We'll be diving into uh, – so tune into that from two weeks from tomorrow into a special. We'll each have a role in the front office and be assigned certain things. So look out for that special edition. And then our draft coverage, the guys are down in the Senior Bowl, killed it all week. Um bringing awesome content with who they liked, what they saw, where the, where the, where the senior bowl was weak. So there's going to be some great news and nuggets coming out of that all month long. So um, it's going to be an action packed show here uh, on the cover one network. And we're looking forward to everything we're able to do over the next eight weeks. I had fun in this, you know, a month, not a month, but three weeks out, Mike, I had fun with this team. I know it was a daunting 13 and three for some reason. It's a daunting 14 and four. Um, you know, they left on a pretty bad note, a little different than last year. Um, 
but ultimately they give us a reason to enjoy Sundays and they give us a reason to um, be as good as anybody in the NFL minus a few lapses uh, toward the end of the season. So just need to get over that hump. And I promise you beans working endlessly to do so. And I think the roster development is there, Mike. Yeah. And Kev, we've been talking about this on our show and this is the reason why sometimes I don't always get along with everyone else when it comes to the Super Bowl or bus talk. You and I, we have the philosophy, if you continue to build good teams on a yearly basis and you have Josh Allen as, as your quarterback, you will eventually have the opportunity one of these seasons to go win it all. And uh, uh, how you define will Josh Allen's tenure in Buffalo be a success or not is will they win a Super Bowl before he's done playing football here? So it's disappointing each year that doesn't end in that Super Bowl, but we have to put it in context. It's about winning one while he is here. He's 26, 27 years old. He's going to be here for the next decade. Who knows with quarterbacks playing now, maybe longer. So 13 and three. Yes. We wanted a super bowl. Didn't happen. We saw some of the cracks Mm -hmm. developing during the, during the season. They went through a lot off the field and on the field. Ton off the field. Mike, look at the Kim Bagula news. The Kim Bagula. So it, it just wasn't meant to be this year. So the thing is, Go into next year, try to make the improvements you can, and hopefully next year is the year. And I know that gets old because we've been saying that forever, but what what fans have to understand and appreciate is the guys in the locker room, the guys running the team, they haven't part, been part of this organization for 60-plus years. They've been with this team for six years, and they've been pretty damn good for five of those six years. So um, I trust them more than I trust outsiders when it comes to how this team should be run, and hopefully – they eventually uh, find a way to make it work. And if they don't, then they'll be judged for that. But I'm not willing to grill them after uh, three straight tremendous seasons. It's going to be a fun offseason. There's a lot of opportunities to improve the team. And what they do this offseason will go far away into determining if they can win it all next year. And statistically, um, unbiasedly, they were the number one overall team in many categories. It sucks. It, it hurts to hear, but they were. And even including some of their bad playoffs, they still finished number one, San Francisco number two in total overall DVOA. Uh, offense was two, defense was four, special teams was one. At some point, it factors in all of this stuff. It doesn't just my Kevin's eye test. It factors in unbiased information, it factors in schedule and so many other topics. Um, so it does hurt to hear, but the Bills played number one ranked football for a lot of the year. And they did not uh, against the Bengals. Uh, they played 32nd ranked football, but we can't say that they're 32nd ranked and cut 75% of the team because of one snow game where the emotional toll took over as well. Kevin, we just kind of the NFL as a matchup league and then just ignore that Cincinnati on that Sunday was just a horrible matchup for Buffalo and short passing, intermediate passing. Mike, I saw you pacing around pregame. Kev, um, you knew how, how I felt. I yeah. picked the Bengals, and I was fe- I was feeling good till I looked at my inactive report, and then I saw the the snow dumping down as I'm waiting in line to go in. I'm like, uh oh. Um, um, I don't think any of those things favored the Bills, and it turned out that they didn't. So and, you're and right. It thing, is one thing that is very important to keep in mind. It's just because you haven't done something before doesn't mean that you never will, and just because you aren't as good as a team right now doesn't mean that you won't be better than them in the future. So a lot of people in their responses have been saying the bills aren't good enough to win at all because the last three years, they haven't been good enough at all. That's a, that's a logical fallacy. Like that's just there. I understand what people are saying, but 
that misses logic because you're not looking into the daily improvement, the the offseason moves, the the scheme changes that go into things. So, yes, the Bills haven't been good enough at this point, but there's plenty of opportunities. As long as they're in the discussion in that top five, they're going to have their chances. And like we said, good for Cincinnati so far the last couple of years, taking advantage of their rookie window with Joe Burrow, but eventually that's going to come apart, and then it's going to be open yes. season. I'm more scared of Kansas City over the long run because Kansas City has found a way – to consistently win games in the playoffs. Like, you know the new one is, Mike, in Kansas City land, is they want to do the same thing with Chris Jones and trade him that they did to Tyreek Hill. I, I think love they, that. They can get max money for or max compensation for him. I'm listening to the Chiefs people right now. This isn't, this isn't my idea. This is what Chiefs um, bloggers are talking about. Interesting um, that – that wouldn't make sense down. to me. That wouldn't make sense to me when I feel like Chris Jones is the primary reason why they beat the Cincinnati Bengals. But, but think of how lose. well they did with their rookies and saving money, and you know, ultimately Mahomes is overcoming stuff. And even when they don't have receivers, it's MBS and Sky Moore, and that's you know it. What the difference. You know what the main difference between their bloggers, their fans, and and where the Bills stand right now? They've already won a championship, so. They have that level of confidence, and they know that Mahomes has been able to get it done in the playoffs every year as far as guiding them to the AFC Championship. They are always in that Final Four. So to some degree, um, they believe that there's no one else on the team that truly matters outside of Mahomes and that they could surround him with anybody and still find a way to win it all. I do want to mention one last thing before we wrap up, too. The Players' Tribune piece by Jesse Pagula. I saw your comment, RJ. Um, tremendous by her. Um, Jesse is really, she's really an amazing person. Um, you factor in, um, her talent on the tennis court. The fact that she's probably going to play a critical role with the bills and sabers in the future. Um, that's even one of the things that she mentioned in the article. Yeah, Given Terry's age, um, that she wants to learn more how the business side of things works and that she does have a desire to be more involved and play the role that her mother did and continued prayers to, uh, to Kim Pagula. We all knew that something serious had happened. There's a lot of speculation over the last eight months. No one really wanted to go on air and say anything because we didn't have details. We wanted to respect the privacy of the Pagulas, but obviously a very, very serious matter um, in a situation that Kim is still dealing with right now with her recovery. I'm glad that she's able to respond, that she is is mentally there, but still struggling with her memory and her communication, uh, verbal communication. So uh, just continuing to think about her because as easy it was as it was for Bills fans, Sabres fans, Buffalonians to be critical of the way the Sabres were run. And some people had their complaints about how the Bills were run and stuff like that. I do think it is important to note that they are the Pagulas are the reason why the Bills are in Buffalo and why they're building a new stadium that will secure their long-term future in this community. And there's not many people that would have gone out of their way to do that for the 31st ranked market in the NFL. So um, I'll forever be thankful to her for uh, helping keep this team in Buffalo. And um, it it's, you appreciate her daughter being able to write that and basically um, 
obviously it's been a tough time. They've probably been asked a ton of times about how Kim is doing, but to be able to to share that information, I thought was was special, and um, it doesn't make it any better, but it makes us obviously more aware of the situation and appreciate what what yeah, her and, and Kim have done. It's a great article. She did a great job. Um, it more puts into perspective, like kind of the rumblings we had all heard, piecing things together throughout, you know, who we know. Um, and wasn't our place to ever say anything about it. But so glad uh, she's able to at least say her story um, for her family. And absolutely, they, they're they're I am defenders. I've been called overly supportive of the Pagulas at times. I don't care. Um, you know, that's that's the reason why Jesse Pagula seeming to be some form of involvement or plan in the future with Terry and Kim. Maybe it's great to hear that someone, um, what a great story to take over for her mother and father someday down the road. Um, uh, that's, that's really cool. Um, and I'm glad she's involved and it's still a dominant tennis player, still finished top, you know, finished third. Uh, third in the world. It, it, it really is um, remarkable. And a lot of people will be like, well, she comes from money. Well, you got to be more than money to be. A lot of people come from that kind of money. In your sport. Yeah. So uh, she really is remarkable. And hopefully, just like we want the Bills and Sabres to eventually win the big one, hopefully yeah. Jesse Bagula can eventually break through in one of these grand slams and, and win one of these uh, titles, whether uh, obviously still going to have opportunities at the French Open, Wimbledon, and U.S. Open later this year. So. Uh, I don't know if she's won the smaller ones, right? The she won uh, a tournament last November. She's won a few uh professional tournaments and was an Olympian for the United States. So, uh, I don't know if you watch many of her stuff, but whenever she's in a grand slam, I try to watch at least a few of the matches. And yeah, I try to uh, I try to catch some stuff when I can, a bigger match if I can. Um, and and really, it is super impressive. I mean, you think about what Kim has done, she's one of the few female owners in North American professional sports. and she was the president of the Sabres. She's done a lot to run these teams. And sometimes on the outside point of view, it we can be critical. And, yes, the, people make bad decisions at times. And it's not like the Pagulas have always made the best decisions. But it's a it's a tough job. And definitely not, not easy doing what they were doing. And um, you look at the way uh, the Bills are right now. We're, th- we're going through one of the most successful periods in the Bills franchise history outside of the yeah. Super Bowl years and the mid '60s when they won back-to-back AFL titles, and you look at the Sabers now. I know a lot of this has been in the last year or so, but she played a role in Kevin Adams becoming the general manager, Don Granado becoming the head coach, and those guys have single-handedly changed the entire philosophy of team building mm-hmm. uh, for the Sabers, focusing on their young core, draft development, and I I, I doubt that she's highly involved on the actual hockey decision side. But the fact that she brought in those guys, I know there were a lot of mistakes in the previous decade, but the fact that she she is heavily involved, I, I am impressed by her as a woman, especially where she came from, to to get herself in this position and to to have the ability to do what she had. I, I just it the thing mm-hmm. that stings me the most is that she's still young in her early fifties, mid fifties, and that she's had a lot taken away from her. And she's been robbed the opportunity to really live going forward the the life that she probably wants to be able to live but um you still pray for the recovery and hopefully she continues to get better and uh it gets as far along as possible to uh the point where hopefully she can find a new normal that works for her 
and yeah, great in the media, just a great person, great individual, great in the, uh, just great in non-for-profit, just uh, an amazing uh, human to be involved with Buffalo sports and Buffalo in general, I should say, and a rebirth of many Harbor Center to Canal Side to much going on downtown. Um, one of their biggest knocks was their, their luck that they ran into with being in McDermott. Uh, maybe it wasn't lucky if, if Adams and Granado turn out to be uh, a good combo as well. Um, and just the development of what they've been able to do within their sports teams in downtown and helping develop a, a really good stadium, a beautiful stadium that's going to be built. Um, dome aside, as a dome guy myself, dome aside uh, is going to be um, uh, a really beautiful venue for the Bills and just right in the parking lot next door to the stadium. So that's going to be uh, really cool. RJ says, I met Terry a couple years ago when, uh, after he purchased the Sabres and he was one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. Uh, you'd have no clue. He was a billionaire. The family is extremely down to earth. I've heard this story before. Um, I know they made some tough decisions within Sabres and letting people go at times. And, and it is a business. Um, and some of those decisions during the, the pandemic that everybody faced um, businesses, small, medium and large alike. Uh, so um, I know that there was some of that that happened and then some of the optics weren't great on some of uh, some of that stuff that went down, but they are really great, genuine people. And the story was excellent. Go out and please read it if you haven't already. Um, but we got the film room coming up now, Mike. Um, they got some more football to talk about. Uh, so ultimately, you know, we really appreciate everybody tuning into this edition, this great February 7th edition uh, on our Tuesday at seven o'clock time slot as well. The film room will pick up our kind of topic uh, more in depth. They'll talk about uh, the offseason priorities on defense and their X's and O's and scheme and Tremaine Edmonds, et cetera. So tune into Eric Turner, Anthony Prohaska, and all um, and the team going through all of that. So from Kevin, Mike, appreciate you guys as always coming out on a Tuesday in February. There's not a huge amount of news, but we look forward to really bringing some of our live mocks. We're going to do a live mock on the show here at the end of February. We're going to talk about combine stuff. We're going to get into running backs, receivers, lots to come cover and lots to come Tuesdays at seven at the going deep podcast. But that'll wrap on this edition, this great February edition. Everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Get out there, pick your favorite team. Will you root for Mahomes to get it done as uh, to, to really, will you want him just to stay at one and root for this Eagles team to get their second in the most recent memory? Um, so there's a little bit on the line. I'm glad the Bengals lost. I'm sorry. Uh, that made me very happy as we transition to this game. And hopefully it's a good one and not a blowout either way, but will the chiefs have enough weapons? So we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, I don't want to get around the NFL too much next week, but we'll talk about briefly on the show next week, but Kevin and Mike will be back at you seven o'clock here as always from the going deep podcast. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. To me talking about the bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the cover one network. Slings it deep down no, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is hauled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.